your maze tattoo, update your conspiracy board, and get ready to weather the storm with us as we return to Haven. This is Trouble, the self-proclaimed number one Haven rewatch podcast. Debuting back in 2010 as a Sci-Fi Channel original show, Haven stars Emily Rose, Lucas Bryan, and Eric Balfour as they take on a different curse every week while trying to solve the mysteries of Haven. I'm your first host and our father-son podcasting duo, Alex French. And this is Rich French, your co-host, the French who does not have a copy, but if he did have a copy, it'd be like the copy of a copy in the movie Multiplicity. We got episode eight, Friend or Foe. Like every episode, we start off with a summary, especially now since you can't watch on Netflix, only on Tubi. And we know everyone is watching the episodes on Tubi, unless you're holding out and hoping to win a Blu-ray set from us. All right, so the episode begins with this guy waking up, and he's trying to get ready, but there's a, a, a twin, a copy, a clone of him walking around being sloppy, messy, or as he likes to be neat. Uh, the dude's just kind of getting in his way and making a mess throughout the whole house, and eventually at breakfast, he shoots his clone in the back of the head. Three times. Three times in the back of the head for the offense of eating pancakes. Right, and so he gets in his car, but then the clone is back with a gun out drawn so we know something's up that this is like a trouble of some kind right and he uh commandeers the car from uh the other person and that uh, will say the other twin at this point and says he has to go kill somebody right so we go to the great goal where duke's uh kind of a, a bus boy or something helping out at the great goal henry is knocking over shit because he's nervous duke's like what's up what's going on he explains that he saw something he wasn't supposed to at this abandoned place called Everwood. Duke's like, well, what were you doing out there? And then the dude from before who commandeered the car shows up. And then he uh, starts playing with this uh, silver dollar uh, on there. And then him and him and Duke basically go back and forth. Duke figures out he's looking for Henry because he flat out asks if he has a Henry there. Duke gets a gun, kind of kicks him out. But then when he kicks him out, the, the twin just starts like, you know, a hard boiled style style firing his gun at Duke and Duke's firing back. And then Henry gets away, luckily. Yeah. So the investigation begins. Audrey and Nathan show up, start asking, but Duke's hiding Henry's involvement because he's trying to protect him. Uh, they get the license plate. They go to the house to go investigate this guy named Cornell while Duke gets a shotgun. He's like, I'm going to go get Henry and save him, uh, which Evie did. Uh, protests against but he does it anyway because he's duke uh they go to the house they're like hey you're under arrest but they notice you know duke had said this guy i shot him in the arm there's no gunshot in his arm so it must not be him but they see the car stopping and then it starts driving away again yeah very fast so clearly the, the car pulled up the bmw and noticed uh that they were police and uh sped off Okay, well, they go to like one of the like an abandoned construction area called Everwood. It was supposed to be some what big like resort place, right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, Nathan tells Audrey that they were building this great resort, and then the uh, developers ran out of money, so they just you know fuck it, just left it as it is. Right. And so they get us. They get a sight of the guy that they were chasing, the clone. They get him uh, and manage to take him out. Right. Yeah, Audrey uh, shoots him through, like right through the heart. And uh, Duke uh, starts uh, looking at for the tattoo and explains to Nathan that, uh, you know, the tattoo symbolizes uh, a sort of a secret society amongst the troubled and one of them wants to kill him and all of that. But then while they're doing this, uh, all of a sudden they see another being looking like Cornell running off with a gun. So, right. Boom. So they start chasing him through the, the place. Uh, 
you know, they're looking for him. They lose him, but they find where Henry's been living. They find out, you know, he doesn't have a home. He's been living here. They find he's been hiding in a panel, like in the wall. Uh, Duke, you know, is like, oh, I was living like this when I was younger when I ran away from my dad. Uh, and then the they kind of talk to Henry, right? Yeah, and Henry explains the same thing, that he he saw something he wasn't supposed to see. And now, uh, you know. Yeah, won't tell him what. And then, yeah, clone Cornell clone shows up again with guns trying to get them they all go on the run they split up duke and henry run one way audrey and nathan run the other duke and henry talk about their daddy issues and all of that and then uh for what you know and then for some reason which we find later find out later henry runs right back into building setting running out out of the building audrey and nathan find the real cornell right he's shown up looking for what's going on being like hey you know explains kind of the situation that they're appearing blah 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 he's been killing him and dumping him here Etc. And they they decide to split up, right? Right, because Nathan wants to uh, you know call a Duke, and he can't get a single down there. And he figures Audrey can guard a, a, a room with one entryway with the real Cornell. She should be safe. And this was after he uh, had showed them uh, the room where the rest of his previous copies were that he had killed. So Nathan thinks she's safe, and he starts making his way up the stairs. Right. And so while he's up there, Nathan finds the real, real Cornell. Cornell. Right? The real yeah. one shows up and Nathan's like, oh, fuck. And Audrey, you know, starts to put two and two together when she sees the clone playing with the silver dollar in a box. It gives it away. Uh, the guy, the clone gets the gun. He's got the gun on Audrey. Audrey kind of talks to down me like, hey, I know what it's like. I, I might be a copy. I've got this other girl's memories in my head. So I understand, you know, and good thing she got FBI training and fucking gets the gun from him and handcuffs him to the pipe. Exactly. You know, and meanwhile, Nathan and Cornell are searching for Audrey. But then we flash to uh, the, you know, the reception area at Haven uh, Police Department and Selectman Gerst uh, goes into uh, HPD and he asks the desk cop to speak with Nathan and the cop says Nathan's out and the Selectman says, oh, I'll just go leave him a note. So the Selectman goes into Nathan's office. The desk uh, cop, for some reason, decides it's a great time to leave the area and leave him unattended. He closes the door, goes through all of Nathan's stuffs, and finds some files. Right. So he takes them. Early in the episode, Nathan had been complaining about uh, how much paperwork he had to do because they redact certain things with the troubled people. So put two and two together, that might be what this is about. Right. They have to keep two separate sets of files, one with the truth and one that's been uh, whitewashed to cover up the troubles. Right. Exactly. So Nathan is with the real uh, Cornell at this point. He pulls out a brick in the wall. He pulls out a brick in the wall and finds another dead body. And we find out this is the business partner, Cornell, who was going to turn him in or something. Right. Exactly. He had found that he'd been embezzling, which we learn of later because the clone tells Cornell about it. And so he killed his partner or this coworker, whatever, hid the body here. That's what Henry saw. That's and then the clone started appearing to come kill Henry. But Cornell, knowing he's going to get busted, knocks Nathan out with a brick, and the clone shows up, being like, "Hey, we're not so different, are we? Huh? Yeah, maybe we can team up if you kill him." And he's uh. And they're about to when the phone starts ringing, and then Cornell figures, "Oh, wait a minute, they did that to stop us from. They knew that was a better way to stop him, which means they're here." And then Audrey and Duke start, you know, shooting at Cornell and his clone. Yeah, just utterly wildly, like you know, in, in a manner that John Woo would be proud of. Yes. So Audrey c- comes up with this idea that uh, she can just talk the copy out of, uh, you know, killing Nathan. So she gets up. 
she walks down there and she's you know going through the whole spiel like oh you didn't commit any crimes he actually did and uh you know you can have your own memories of saving a boy and you don't always have to clean up his mess and then she and then you know, like the clone even says he's like you know what you're asking me to do and she's like yeah save a life and uh sure enough the clone and, and at this point cornell's like ready to pull the trigger on audrey he's like all right this is getting out of hand and the clone of course doesn't shoot audrey he shoots cornell and then he starts disappearing and flips the coin to audrey and says don't tell matt warner i gave it to you and disappears matt warner's the guy he stole the coin from and hid it from this whole time Meanwhile, just like, you know, how every episode ends with a little bit of cleanup on this one, uh, Nathan and Gerst have a meeting and Gerst is like, I know, you know what you've been doing. And basically it's a threat from the Rev, right? Where you should get out of town. Right. He's done as chief. And since uh, since uh, the chief was a friend of Gerst, uh, he's like, he's going to give him some advice. You, you might want to leave Haven because it's going to get tough on on people of your kind. And, you know, and Nathan, of course, being Nathan scowls and says, I, I won't leave. Right. Henry is back at the gray goal, but Duke has called his father to try to get them to clear stuff up because Duke is like, yeah, you know, you don't necessarily, even though I understand what you're going through, you don't necessarily want as fucked up relationships I had with my dad. Uh, Nathan's there getting wasted at the gray goal uh, and they're all laughing at him. Audrey and Duke have a little talk. Yeah, he's doing like shot after shot. And then some lady comes, some drunk lady comes up and she's like, I've always wanted to dance with the chief. And then Audrey tries to intervene and Nathan's like having no we are going to dance and they do more shots and he starts crazy dancing and Duke and Audrey Duke's asking her, Hey, all those things you said to the copy, did you mean all of that? And she's like, yeah, most of it, you know? And then, uh, then they decide they have to get a picture of uh, Nathan's wonderful dancing, which is hilarious. Neither one of them have their phone available. So Duke grabs Evie's phone. He takes the photo. Haha, It's funny. But then a text message comes in and says, thanks for the info on the files. I took care of the rest, which Duke looks over at Evie. And obviously now he knows she is working against him. Yeah. Working for the Rev, right? That is the end of the summary. As usual, we will move into ratings. What did you give this episode? I have many issues uh, with this episode, though there's still a bunch of things I enjoyed, like some of the hilarious dialogue, some of the mechanisms used to reveal information, you know, and ultimately the Rev making this power play. I get they wanted to show how difficult it is to be Audrey, but you know, they probably could have done it in a better manner than this, the way they did this. I mean, I did like how they set the stage for multiple conflicts to come to their climax in the upcoming episodes. <laughs> And I absolutely love Nathan's crazy shot drinking and dancing. But, you know, I, ca- I have a question for you that I'm going to ask later. And because of my answer to that question, I just could, I couldn't rate it higher than a six on the French meter. I originally have a set, had it at a seven, but the, the more I thought about it, I had to bump it down to a six. It's not a horrible episode. It's not a great episode. It's decent, but there are some flaws. I mean, yeah, six is about where I'd put it. It's okay. Um, but I think it's probably in the complete opposite vein of you where uh, I didn't particularly love anything this episode did, but I didn't really dislike much that this episode did. It kind of just, it's another one that just exists. <laughs> it's another Haven episode. It's pretty much like what you can say about it. Uh, no, for me, no highs, no lows. It's just kind of so, so like filler. Yeah. Feeding the chicken's yeah. paper. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's kind of how, and you know, like we've said before, every season has them. And usually in this area in the middle, 
I think season one didn't really have that middle tent pole because like the first four episodes were more like relevant and then it kind of and then it went like a stretch whereas this one did a bit of a in the middle we had audrey parker's day off is kind of a very important one and then now we're kind of getting back to some fillery stuff here in the middle before we i think ramp up and conclude right i i would i would agree with that like i said it you know kind of the conflict the rev made his power play nathan's out and uh you know duke now knows evie's you know working with the rev you know so we've got like four more episodes to uh four yeah four more episodes to try to uh, wrap all of this stuff up and put a bow on the season so it i think it did do that i mean the episode itself like i said there, there's things here and there that are good but uh all right it, it, it's not uh, anything special i mean if you missed the episode and just read like what the reveals were, you'd probably be okay. Okay, but some of, some of my takeaways, I mean, just from that 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 first scene, I had a few takeaways. Just that first scene, we open up at this nice suburban house, and you know, there's Cornell. Uh, who the hell sleeps in you know matching pajamas anymore nowadays? Goodness, I, mean, I, I don't. I, I I thought they were going for this thing that like one of them is just outrageously conservative, you know, and one of them's outrageously like wild, you know, like. And as evidenced by the music, the way he treated the house, but nothing really, I guess that he's like, what, inhibition personified? He's like, or whatever, I'm sorry, he's uh, like just completely, you know, all his temptation and all that shit, like in a person, I guess, manifested. The worst part of him, huh? With his spiky hair, which I, yeah. I'm ashamed to say I didn't even realize that till probably like the last 10 minutes. I'm like, oh, yeah, he, yeah, the the copy, he's got different hair. Oh, uh, yeah, I caught that uh, in the opening, like at the beginning, I think when he shot him. <laughs> I, I should I should have caught that, but... Uh, it's not a huge detail, but yeah, it's... Yeah. So I wish they'd done a bit more with the like splitting up, you know, if one of them was more careful, easy going, and the other one's more... The wild, you know, but that's kind of like a Helena situation almost, right? Where it's like split people, but the first guy's a murderer. Cornell Prime, Cornell Prime is a murderer, so it's not like he's uh, squeaky clean or anything. And an well, embezzler, <laughs> and he was embezzling before the murder, so yeah, yeah you know, and and like they always say, I was going to put the money back, but uh, you know, back to the house though. This is the first sighting we've had of pancakes in quite a while. I know. I get a helping of them covered in blood and face. Yeah. And there was, uh, that was pretty mighty stack too. I mean, the copy, copy wasn't messing around. He was, uh, he was embracing some troubled with extra syrup, which is <laughs> accessible when you join our Patreon. So, <laughs> and tell me that one wasn't a perfect flow into it. Yeah. You were waiting on that. The second you saw the episode, you're like, I got it. I got uh, it. I'm going to spike it. But you know, and, and then my last thing with that that opening scene, dude, he just shoots him three times in the back of the head in this suburban neighborhood. And what, uh, no one calls the cops or anything? I mean, you know, it just doesn't seem realistic. Every, like Everybody already went to work? <laughs> I guess, yeah. There's... Uh, well, if it was if it was happening in this day and age, eighty five percent of the people would be working from home and would have heard it. But uh, yeah. I still think I just thought that's a little goofy. He, he's a vice president of a bank. He'd probably be smart enough to not be shooting someone right at his own kitchen table or have a silencer. Can the rev really text? <laughs> you know what? I I didn't even I didn't even think think of that. We saw his Microsoft his uh, 
his intern PA Microsoft created Microsoft Word list from uh, was that last episode? Yeah, uh, yeah, that was yeah, last episode. Yeah. Uh, yeah, last episode they did that, and and yet he has a handle on. See, I I don't know if the Rev can text. I don't know if the Rev's down with texting. I think that's part of. Uh, or maybe maybe he has an intern to do it. Maybe he has somebody. No, no, that's what I'm thinking. He has a young henchman who does that. And, young uh, Rev. Yeah, yeah. S- someone he's grooming for the pulpit, and that's right. His <laughs> uh, his padawan. He has <laughs> he has Rev a paddle. Yeah, and uh, that that was uh, who's got to send text for him. Yeah, I was like, I don't know if the Rev's this tech savvy. He's got you know he's got Microsoft Word. You know he's printing stuff. He's texting, apparently. I, I didn't figure the Rev even to have a cell phone. Yeah, you know, the Rev might not even be on Microsoft Word. I mean, he could be going old school Word Perfect. <laughs> okay, since you asked me a question, I'll ask you one. Uh, what do you think about them choosing to have Christian De La Fuente play a character named Cornell Stammerin, <laughs> which, by the way, they misspelled Christian's name in, in the wiki, you know. And while we're on the topic, they listed... Oh, the actor's name? Yeah, yeah. So the actor is yeah. Christian De La Fuente, and I'm not complaining to Wiki. They do great work. So I, I'm just just being a snot. But <laughs> uh, and then while we're on the topic, they listed Jim Swansburg as Cornell's copy. So what was up with that? A stunt double, maybe. Yeah, that's what you know. That's what I was thinking because clearly during uh, the episode when they were showing the copy, that was the same actor, you know, Christian uh, De La Fuente. And maybe he was like a uh, body double, you know, the back of his head was this guy. Oh, yeah. Or maybe he was one of the, he was the bodies in the, in the room. Yeah, maybe. I, I, you know, I I thought maybe that was just a funky thing on the wiki, but, you know, I actually paused the cast and they did have that on the cast. Yeah. Yeah. It's like the, uh, the machine guy, the maximum overdrive British guy, where it's kind of like, this guy doesn't sound like he's lived in Haven for a long time. So is he like, so I guess it, it's been opening up the question of the Haven, you know, the troubles seem like they're passed down through family, but then there's people who clearly their family could not have been here very re- like super, you know, or like haven't been ingrained in Haven for 50 years or whatever. So I guess troubles can develop in people who have just moved there or like, like, let's say, how long do you think he had probably lived in Maine, of all places, for him to move to? Uh, let's, just, let's be generous and say 10 years. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, because, uh, yeah, first of all, I'm Cornell. I mean, <laughs> I mean, the actor's from Chile, and uh, he's clearly from Latin America. It just it just seems odd. And it's nothing against, uh, you know, Christian De La Fuente. I thought he did a really good job. I mean, he was he was hilarious as, as the copy. He had some great lines in, in there. Their choices sometimes are, like I said, the British guy. It's a little strange. And now this. So maybe that's the point they're trying to make is new troubles are developing in people who haven't been around for very long, who don't have like family established. Well, I'm just yeah. like, just just change his name. <laughs> I mean, just just give just give him a name that seems appropriate for him, so that way, and then we can just say, okay, you know, maybe his family immigrated there. Maybe he, you know, spent half the year in Chile and half the year in Haven. Who knows? Because <laughs> he's part of a large banking family. I, you know, there's there's ways to do it. Just it just you, you hammered the name, and it's yeah. I just you know, I just thought that was something they could could have done differently. And how many big bankers do you think live in Haven? Uh, exactly one Cornell Stammerin. Yeah. And 
Yeah. I was like, I can't, I was like, how many big bankers like would live in a town like this? I feel like you need to live in big cities unless you're like at a kind of retired level. Well, and you know, makes me wonder who does, who does all of the kind of money laundering in Haven. Cause you know, like Dave Teague's, He's got to get someone to clean all his money from the prostitution ring. So exactly, exactly. Duke from all the black market stolen uh, Fredalba albums. He's uh, uh, hawking out there. Someone's got to take care of this, dude. Maybe that's what Stony did since she she had the counterfeit. So now there's a big void. All this uh, dirty money is just sitting around and it's not getting laundered. Oh, I don't know. If that's crossover to him embezzling money out of companies, right? He. He still needs a money launderer, doesn't he? I think he was just uh, well. Usually, when you're embezzling, yeah, you you put that directly into other accounts. So he's probably got accounts down in the Caymans, you know, where all of that's going to. Maybe even some accounts in Switzerland, you know. So does he have an accountant handling that? Well, if he's the vice president of the bank, he should have the financial wherewithal to know how know how to do that. I would think, you know. But maybe it's so much. He's embezzling so much. He needs, you know, somebody in charge of that. Well, obviously, he embezzled so much that uh, the guy from work noticed it, and he shot him in the head and killed him over it. Was so, it a gunshot? Yeah, it was a gunshot in, okay. in the head. Yeah, it had a little blood. I didn't mean down. to. Well, it could be something else. You never know. Oh, they, it looked like a hole. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, you never know. What if he like got a metal rod and like threw it like a javelin? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I could see Cornell doing that. I'm sure he was in track and field. Uh, at, of course, where did he go to go to college in the Ivy Leagues at Cornell? Okay, which one do you think? I could believe him being in track and field, not necessarily killing him like this, more than I believe this banker brought like a gun and like executed a guy mob style. Who was like, I, I, you know, I was gonna give it back, you know, but you brought him to this abandoned place and shot him in the face. Like, you not only own a gun, you not only own a gun, you not only brought it, you then, and then it's not like we were in my house and we were arguing over pancakes and I shot him three times in the head. It was, you brought him to an abandoned fucking like murder place where, where the bodies get buried, bro. You had a body pit. Well, you know, uh, kind of like when we were, uh, (laughs) when Nathan and Audrey arrive at that house the first time and they're talking about Vegemite. And, you know, and first of all, you know, I, I like Nathan's fun. He's busting her chops. How does he, how does this connect? Does this, is this a segue? It just... happens. It happens right. It, you know, in uh, Cornell's front yard. Oh, no, well, no, in I'm the just, Bronco. I'm just saying, and... I, not that I have a problem talking about the Vegemite. This is just quite a leap. You made it sound like this was connected. You're like, well, yeah. In that same vein, the Vegemite. <laughs> okay. But I said, <laughs> okay. Same vein is a misleading term in, in this, in this context, because it, the only thing was the uh, location of the, the the house. It was Cornell's house. That's what they had in common. The that's connective it. tissue. Yeah, that's it. Well, the connective tissue might have been the Vegemite, but no, it wasn't. Okay, so what about the Vegemite? No, I, I just found it funny that Nathan's like, you don't have to eat Vegemite just because your boyfriend in London sent it to you. And then she she explains it pretty cool. Like, hey, if I have someone else's memory, maybe the memory says I don't like Vegemite, but I actually do like Vegemite. And I really liked that she sold it. So when she gets out of the Bronco, that shows her she's chewing something still. I thought that was kind of cool. That was a little detail <laughs> they could have skipped. But back to that scene, what did you think about Nathan's Australian accent? Uh, I mean, I thought it was bad. <laughs> 
you'll lead a complicated life. Now, see, now, now that's Irish, I guess. I don't know. I don't even know. It was so bad. I don't think I could even, you know, mimic it. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, I also was like questioning where I was like, so him in London sent you Vegemite? Like, that's not really yeah. a British thing. Yeah. Well, why, why would British, you know, it, that's Australian, right? I, yeah. I, no, I, no. As somebody who not only has been to London, spent time in London, not only that, I've spent time with Australians in London. And they were never eating Vegemite in London. The Vegemite's not something you're like sitting around like, oh, you know, eating in London. And they're like, oi, mate, I'm jonesing for some Vegemite. We, well, let's stop at the accents. I feel like <laughs> we're... Hey, it couldn't have been worse than uh, Lucas's version. I mean. But yeah, yeah. Nice detail. She was chewing a little bit. Uh, interesting concept of her trying, Chris helping her try new things. And she isn't sure what's really her memory and stuff and trying to create new ones. Uh this is a nice little touch. Vegemite, I think, is a weird. I know it's like, well, what can I choose from London that's unique? But Vegemite is a strange. I'm sure that's what Ernst was like. Oh fuck! Well, what can I do? You know. And what, what about like a shepherd's pie? Like a shepherd's pie? Isn't How's that... he gonna mail a shepherd's pie to her? Come on. <laughs> and you can eat shepherd's pie in. In the states, yeah. yeah, yeah. Shepherd's but... pie isn't like this. Like, whoa, what's this? Just one little, you know, a couple observations I had, you know, uh, like when Duke, you know, arrives at the Everwood and, and, and while we're on the Everwood, is that, are they trying to play homage to the CW show Everwood from the early 2000s or was it 90s with Treat Williams? Um, uh, yep, pretty sure. <laughs> see, and, uh, you know, see, I hear, be it. <laughs> when I heard Everwood, I thought, isn't that where the elves in the Lord of the Rings live, the Everwood or... I guess not. I was like, I don't I guess think not. it's called ever. I don't think anywhere is called Everwood in Lord of the Rings. No, but ever Everwood was a show on, uh, <clears throat> yeah, on, yeah, on the CW where he doctor's wife died, so he moves his family to her former small town home of Everwood, Colorado. So, of course, of course, of course, but shot in California, I'm sure. Right, but when Duke arrives there, he starts firing at uh, the copy from a good distance away with a sawed off shotgun. And I mean, that's just kind of ridiculous because everyone knows those are made for close quarters uh, shooting. Uh, sure. But the, 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 the scatter still goes, it's just, you know, it's not like it stops within like 15 feet. It's just not as effective as a shotgun would, right? There's still a shotgun would be right. It still has a chance for like the, uh, he, the, he might... the buck or whatever, the shot to like, you know, him to still catch like some spray. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I guess that's it. Just would be not effective. It's not. It's not. It's not effective. Yeah, but still possible. Well, and Duke had, you know, had had a moment before that when he's when Audrey's questioned him at the goal, and he gets some pretty good lines in there when she's like, "You're not answering my questions," and he's like, "Well, I am secretly afraid of bananas. I've never windsurfed naked, and deep down in my heart, I know Bigfoot is real." I I thought that was funny, and it really reminded me of the. the trial of Audrey Parker episode where he's uh, doing his little underwear dance and, and talking Jack nonsensical stick. Yeah. And you know, which started with his James Brown move. Yeah. I, I just thought, I thought it was, I thought it was funny. I know. Yeah. Maybe I mean, it was all right. It was all right. It was amusing. That was one of the things that helped this uh, episode get to a six level. Hey, another thing I was thinking about was uh, when uh, the copy like bolts from Cornell's house in the BMW, uh, they actually chase him in the Bronco. Is that the first car chase we've seen in Haven? 
Mm, yes, because the only other time I can really think of is butterfly, but they're not chasing someone. They're just trying to get to a location really fast. Yeah, I mean, as as, as car chase scenes go, this isn't very dynamic, but hey, it's our first it's our first car chase. I mean, it's uh, I, I was uh, happy to see that in there. Well, speaking of chase, what do you think about Duke telling Henry to run out of the Greg hole when they're in that initial firefight? Do you think it was smarter for Henry to run? So this guy who so think about it. Let's think about it. Duke has Henry behind the bar, and he's got a gun shooting at this guy. A guy shooting back. But he's like, run. The Henry leaves the bar where the guy is outside of the bar. And then it has quick access to his own vehicle while Duke is stuck behind the bar, has to, you know, come out of the bar, run out of the building, find his own Jeep, which we haven't seen Duke's vehicle in a while. Uh, and then, you know, pursue them possibly. Uh, also doesn't doesn't pursue. He just stays there, which I'd have been like, you would think if Duke really was like, holy shit, this is a huge deal. I got to get in my Jeep and chase this guy. But do you think yeah. it was smart to send Chris? I'm sorry, not Chris. Uh, do you think it was? <laughs> yeah, we, we were hoping just, Chris got uh, shot. Yeah, I was like, maybe I'm just wishful, wishful thinking that a clone comes in and executes Chris. <laughs> do you think it was smart to send Chris out into the open? Because then, you know, you have so many more variables at play doing that right now. He can't protect Chris. He doesn't know where Chris is going. This guy has quick access to his own vehicle to chase Chris. For all he knows, this guy chased down because Chris. Uh, damn it, I'm saying Chris again. Just <laughs> you about really want Chris murder. Uh, you really want Chris murder. For some reason, like Chris and Henry are interchangeable as names in my mind. I have no idea why, but uh, just happens. For some reason, the name Henry. I want to say Chris. I think, but anyway. Yeah, Henry. You know, like Henry's on a motorcycle. He was on a dirt bike, right? Yeah. But, what if this but, guy ran him down and fucking you know? For all Duke knows, he got like. <laughs> Or Lloyd Christmas say like caught him half a mile up and slit his throat or something. Slit his throat. It was a good one. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but but you know he's got the motorbike, so maybe you know if uh, Cornell you know as Cornell's copy is hot on his tail, he can go off road. Whereas he's not, he can't take that Beamer off road. So we should refer to them as Cornell Prime and Cornell uh, Beta. Beta. <laughs> Or any other, whatever, whatever, whatever we want to use. Oh, we're going to go Walking Dead and it's Cornell Alpha and Cornell yeah, Beta. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This will work. Uh, yeah, I, I feel like that was like the less, that wasn't as smart of a choice as if he was like, yeah, get in the basement, start barricading yourself in there. I'm going to like kill this guy and call Audrey and Nathan to come like. Right, because you know, with, with that amount of shots fired, uh, you know, considering uh, Beta has, uh, <laughs> fuck, yeah, Beta has a limitless supply of ammunition. He, you know, <laughs> he he must have the same arms guy as Chow Yun Fat in all of the John Woo movies, and he knows how to keep going back to John Woo. But that's his style, kind of where they just keep shooting and weapons yeah. never empty. That's the tribute. This episode is to John Woo. I'm not giving them enough credit with that. They, they, they were clever. If there was like a dove flying by in the middle yeah. of the gunfight, then we would have to. Uh, yeah, I just think it didn't. Or, or, you know, and you know, Duke probably knows the officer down trick, right? Of calling him and saying a cop's been shot at my bar and they'll fuck, you know, the whole fucking, the entire police, state police force will come. Yeah, uh, they're coming from New Hampshire even. Yeah, that's yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, when you were saying John Woo style, like uh, after he shoots him and then he leaves a little uh, paper swan on him, uh, origami. It's a crane. Uh, I'm pretty crane. sure. Crane. 
crane, swan, some type of waterfowl. <laughs> yeah, but uh, nonetheless. Well, I think the I, paper crane is like good luck or mm-hmm. and stuff like that in Japan. Oh, wait, that's China. Then I don't know. I don't know. What's wrong with the with the paper swan? Maybe you're right. Maybe it's a paper swan. Someone has to. I, I think us. it's a. I think it's a crane. I'm pretty sure it's a crane. And uh, well, origami's yeah. Japanese, right? So yeah, it's Japanese. So and I'm pretty sure it's the the crane is like the 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 symbol of luck when you make. Mm-hmm. And what I think it's if you make a thousand origami cranes, you get a wish or some shit like that. Uh, that'd have been good to know before the NFC Championship game. <laughs> I would have made a thousand cranes for the Packers, but uh, that's what you that's what you would use it for. <laughs> yeah, not world peace or end end hunger. <laughs> Packers making it to the Super Bowl. I know there's this virus about to hit. No, oh, the Packers. <laughs> yeah. no, not vaccine for every single human being alive. No, <laughs> no, no. Packers win. But you you raise a good point there because uh, I didn't even really think of it at the time, but it's totally more dangerous for Henry to run out. I mean, I guess unless Duke thought he could engage, uh, you know, Beta long enough to, uh, <laughs> yeah, long long enough to give him a good head start. But it's not like he doesn't know where he's going. Oh, because also, as far as Duke knows, this guy might not be the only one as well, right? He this might be an organization coming for Henry for as far as he you know he's assuming it's one guy but you're i feel like your inclination is like i think what my first jump in or my my first jump in logic my first the logical conclusion i would come to is that this is like the mob or something a guy in a suit shows up starts firing his gun at me i'm like okay this is some mob mafia guy uh, well he's got a you know spanish accent and uh yeah, so you might think like, okay, maybe some cartel or something. He saw something he wasn't, so maybe he saw some like gang thing happen or like cartel thing happen, or maybe just mafia. Maybe this guy's just you know likes hanging out with the Italians or Russians or Irish. There's a ton of mobs, uh, and then he's like, I'd be like, okay, my assumption is there might be more of these suited gentlemen running around, willing you know shooting at Henry. It might not just be this one dude. I think it's kind of a weird assumption that's one. They thinks it's it, it stops at one guy. So I'd be like, hey, don't leave, don't leave, go downstairs, Fuck, call the, I'll call the cops. Because for some reason, the cops weren't called to Cornell's house after three <laughs> loud gunshots. Uh, but uh, yeah, they're, they're coming to the goal, but which they, they would they, because they're friends of Dukes. So yeah. And they could have easily resolved that with like Audrey and Nathan, you know, at the beginning when they're pulling up being like, yeah, we got a call about a gunshot, you know, at this house earlier or something like that but there was nothing you know nothing awry so like you know now we're like doubly on you know now they have even more reason to pull them out of the house and slam them against the wall because they're like yeah we heard the gunshots in the house or we heard the the reports i feel like one line of dialogue could fix that issue yeah yeah no it 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 easily could have so i was a little little disappointed in that you know one thing i really enjoyed was was a scene where audrey disarms uh beta and uh i (laughs) I don't know it looked a little cheesy i mean the build-up the actual like stunt i i didn't think it it wasn't the stunt i kind of like you said the build-up i liked her explaining uh how hard it is, you know, to kind of be someone whose life is built on someone else's memories. That was, you know, pretty cool. Like I said, there's probably better vehicles to, to, to uh, deliver it than uh, this episode, but I, you know, and I, I'd like to, I like her line, like, you know, I have the memories of someone who went to Quantico and I can do this. That was kind of cool. And maybe the physical uh, mechanics of the, the takedown and disarming were pretty cheesy, 
but the, then he the Quantico line was a little cheesy too. I don't the oh, Quantico. Oh, I kind of liked it. You no, know, because you know the memories he have is a guy named Cornell who went to Cornell and uh, he doesn't know how track to track and you know, field star. Track and field star, yeah, Should javelin javelin <laughs> honor. Yeah. yeah. So and I liked his little line. He's uh, when he's like, uh, when I kill you, eventually. I will not be happy. I was pretty good. I actually really liked the actor. I thought he was really good. And if he would have been in a, you know, a different role, I, I wouldn't mind him being a regular on the cast. I think he's got the talent. What if he was like Edge's partner, you know? Like, so the two of them, these just two gigantic muscle-bound dudes show up and like, you know, clean. Oh, I I, I like it too. I mean, dude, because he's, he's got that line where he's like, yeah, they're his memories, but it's all my balls, you know, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, you know, I, I, I liked it. I thought he was good. I just, yeah, I wish they used him differently. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it was just, it was just like the name, like was the issue. And then the question of like, this guy doesn't sound like his family's from Haven. Uh, so how do you get troubled? You know, are new people getting, tr- so it's once again, just those questions that pop up. You know, and then speaking of beta, I, I thought it was pretty cool that he realized when he was handcuffed that he's like, uh, dude, the only way I'm getting out of this is to kill myself. And then he, then they give him a good, you know, you know, Ernst gives him a good line, you know, damn, this is going to sting. And I, I like that. That was pretty, pretty cool. I, I thought he was going to do it through his face. So I was a little disappointed. It was through his heart. This one looks pretty fun. This episode looked pretty fun to shoot, though. Just getting to hang on like a concrete playground, basically. Uh, it's just a construction site. Uh, they're pretty much just pretending to walk around with guns all the time. Must have been probably a lot of uh, shenanigans. I feel like some of Lucas Bryant's shenanigans were coming through the episode, you know. We're coming through the episode with the Australian accent, his drunk behavior at the end, the dancing. I feel like we were getting... He just couldn't contain himself. The the real Lucas Bryan was poking through the uh, what's the bitter maybe not bitter the the, the just the the, the, the more droll fog of uh, <laughs> Nathan's life. Yeah, you know, you know, not breaking the fourth wall, but uh, yeah, I would love to see like the 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 edited footage. I bet you there's some even crazier uh, Lucas Bryan acting and, and Nathan behavior. You know that they cut out. That'd be nice if uh, it'd have been nice if there was a commentary and we could have found out why they chose uh, Christian De La Fuente to, to play this particular character. Yeah, so two out of eight episodes have had commentaries so far. Two out of eight. I know one of them had two commentaries, but that's still pretty ridiculous that we've only gotten two out of eight. One out of four, twenty-five percent. That's an F. It's a hard F. That's a yeah. That's, that's, that's a that's not a, that's not a close to a D. F that's a F. <laughs> yeah, if this was like in the the European Soccer League, you'd be going down from the pr- Premier League. Yeah. You'd be dropped back <laughs> to whatever the next level is cuz uh, I don't follow soccer. When did you realize Audrey was actually with Cornell's copy? I didn't realize it until we saw the guy with Nathan. That's when I was like I was like, "Oh, yeah, shit. Makes sense." I was like, "Oh, he got me." So, I didn't really put it together when he was first talking to them. Yeah. I, I bought it. I thought it was a little weird, but I thought it was just that the character was weird. You know, I didn't really, it wasn't until later. I'm like, ah, I should have known. Yeah. I I thought I caught it pretty early, but you know, now I got to think back. Is that because I remember from the first time I saw it? I don't remember this episode actually at all. I I, I don't, but maybe it's such a memorable episode though. 
Yeah, I, I think this isn't the one you're going to want to put at the top of your portfolio, you know, or whatever. And uh, right, so this one's written by Sam Ernst, uh, showrunner. This, I mean, it, it's a fun concept. It's a fun concept. Uh, he got some important stuff done, so he got you know Nathan, you know, es- like we were saying before, right? Escalates Nathan versus Rev, escalates Evie's t- double agent agenda, and a bit of Audrey talking a bit more about her struggle with finding out her memories are actually fraudries. So, you know, Sam Ernst is advancing the ball, you know, 10 yards down the field again. And then directed by Steven Reynolds. Uh, I didn't really find too much interesting on IMDb, his previous work. I know he's going to work on an episode in season three and an episode in season four, but there wasn't really any like, you know, like fun connective, you know, we're like, oh, this person worked on like Joe Hill shows or Stephen King or like other sci-fi shows. There wasn't really anything like of note, just a lot of Canadian TV shows. Something I really liked is when uh, Nathan and Audrey are on the phone and he's like, meet me in the atrium. And she's like, copy. And he's like, don't say copy. Uh, it was a <laughs> oh, you thought uh. it was, I love that. I And I thought I, I thought Lucas delivered it perfectly. Oh, my God. It was OK. It was OK. It was very, very it's it pretty dad joke, you know. That's what uh, I feel like from Sam Ernst episodes, they're very dad jokes. Well, you know, maybe because I'm a dad, maybe, maybe <laughs> that's it, I guess. You know, you know, I was the creator of the you know, the, the pentalminate, uh, you know, dad lib. So, yeah. I mean, in, in, it's just one thing. We kind of touched on it a little bit earlier is how in hell does the copy re- always regenerate with with a handgun or and then like the last time, a double holster and a can of ammunition? Uh, I must just be off of like secret intention or secret desires, you know, that he, I don't know. Uh, it's one of those things where it's just better not. Do, do you not even to, ask? It's best to not ask because I don't just, think there's any kind of satisfying answer. Just suspend disbelief to the uh, nth, nth degree. degree. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I I, well, I mean, what what could we even, what hypothesis is it even possible here? Like, I'm having a hard time even uh, coming there, up with there's one. like that. Whatever you know, maybe it's like the, <laughs> fuck. Maybe it's like the Matrix. You know, there's like the loading menu. You know, where they're in that white. You know, the all white world where they can program essentially program anything. Just create anything out of like oh guns, lots of guns. You know, maybe he does that where he's standing you know, on a giant bookshelf of guns shows up before he pops back into the world. I guess. <laughs> I don't know. I have no idea. Maybe it's in yeah. the barn or something, some mysterious location. I don't know. But dude, and then they rub our noses in it. They fucking rub our noses in it because <laughs> when they run out of the ammo, the copy's like, uh, you're out of ammo. And and I'm laying on an armory. Yeah, how do you have an armory? <laughs> oh. Yeah, it's kind of like a slap in the face. <laughs> like, yeah, this is completely ridiculous and has no explanation, but then I'm going to rub your nose in it. I mean, it's, it's just, a, like I said, it, yeah, still a good, you know, decent episode. It's just, it was kind of nuts. And also, where do they show up? I think it would make sense if they had, like, one spot they always appear in, you know, but apparently it's, like, the Terminator. Um, well, you know, he also appears with a suit, right? Which you could explain away as maybe whatever the main guy is wearing. And maybe, you know, because he has a gun on him, that would explain why he always materializes with a gun. But yeah, the ammo thing is pretty insane. Because where did that come from? Yeah, I mean, dude, he's got a, he's got a double holster, you know, that that he didn't have on earlier. A double holster, 
a can of ammo. And then uh, the, the real Cornell at that point didn't have a gun on him. And he gave him one of the two guns. So it's just, I, you know, I, I know I'm going down the rabbit hole. And because, like you said, there's no real answer t- to that that makes any type of logical sense. And like, I, I should be able to suspend disbelief. But, you know, when, when you're uh, providing a podcast on something, it's going to have you look at it more closely and scrutinize a little bit. I mean, I suppose he is like a, he is a product of Cornell's, uh desire of you know mm-hmm. like he does want this witness silenced but he doesn't you know right want to get his hands dirty or he doesn't have the balls between the two of them right so i guess he his man his desires are manifest so you know this in beta it, so beta is yep. like pure id you know yeah yeah uh, exactly and beta upgraded to gamma or whatever <laughs> you know to, at the end there to get <laughs> yeah, the, yeah. the extra ammo <laughs> well, you know, and now to give him credit, I kind of liked how they how, how he wrote it that, you know, we find out about Cornell's sordid past from his own copy there at the end when he's telling him, you know, first he comes off and he's like, you need to grow a pair. I didn't literally kill myself to come back and watch you be a coward. And, and then he kind of breaks out why he's not a good guy and how he's already a criminal and basically just come embrace it type thing. Yeah. And then Audrey somehow is able to convince him that you can be a good guy. Oh. Yeah. I don't know. It's it's uh, the the talking to yourself thing. Uh, uh, it's something that I just am not like a fan of of like talking to yourself. And that is obviously it's a completely different being at this point. But it's still like explaining expositional information that he doesn't need to explain out loud to himself for the sake of the audience that just like, I, it's always, it's necessary. It's a necessity, but I wish there's a cleaner, a nicer way of handling that than like him, you know, being like, Oh my God, you're right. When I was embezzling and I didn't mean to kill it, you know, it was just kind of like, eh, I'm just not a fan of when writers do that. Yeah. It's always a little lazy to me. Uh, like I said, he has the added benefit of there being an actual physical second presence there, but I think it would work better if, somebody else because also if you're this guy why are you saying this out loud Be- because you're gonna kill everyone else in the building that's not a cornell that's just <laughs> such super villain logic you know what i mean of like oh i'll say my whole plan out loud and like my origin story because i'm gonna kill well, you anyway well, like, well look he wanted to pick up the ringing phone thought it might be fun yeah that's uh <laughs> now i think it's i don't know i'm just not a fan of the technique but it's it's a oh, it's yeah. a quick and dirty way and, and in tv you know, sometimes you got to just do it quick and dirty because you have a hard time limit. Wow, you must you must hate the bard for his, all his soliloquies, huh? Okay, to bring us back to uh, you know a totally different topic because we've been bagging on uh, working the Cornells for a while is uh, and as if I haven't asked you this before, what do you think of that crack security at the Haven Police Department? At least he's like an authority figure, you know. I could at least believe that with this, it's like a guy who you've seen around the office sometimes. And you're like, oh, you know, he goes and talks to the chief and shit. So he's whatever. Like I could, bu- I could buy him going in there, and you maybe not thinking anything of it until later. You're like, hey, wait a minute. Until someone brings him, be like, hey, yeah, wait a minute, that was weird. We also, uh, from the commentary, know at least one of the cops is in the rev's pocket. So we do know that 
some at least one police officer probably and you'd have to assume more are are on the side of the uh was it selectman gerst yeah selectman gerst i never found gerst anywhere during the actual episode but uh i i get but it was in the you know the yeah. uh yeah, you know, it was in the credits and it was on the wiki. Yeah, and, they just uh, call them selectmen in the episode, right? In the episode, so, right? So, and so Gerst, like, Gerst, I could, I could, I could buy this one. Not the other ones where like Vanessa, you know, sneaking the babysitter is like sneaking like, around, hiding in the wings and uh, the shadows, or that oh, yeah, kid yeah. that snuck in. It was like those are pretty preposterous, but the selectmen I can understand because he, you know, they see him going in and out of the chief's office yeah. often and the the moles in the. I just, you know, if if I'm there at the desk, I'm like, I'm watching him go in there. And if I see him rummage through anything, I'm going in and immediately call him out. Unless potentially I'm a rev mole. Well, it's also hard, I feel like, in those situations with somebody of such higher authority doing stuff. Like, it's harder for a lot of people to say anything because, you know, like, regardless of this person's right or wrong, you know, you're going to get a fucking earful, right? You're going to get fucking slammed by this guy like he's gonna talk shit he's gonna be like what the fuck are you like do you know who i am like you're coming here and challenging me on this shit like i'm supposed to be here and if you're wrong then like you could potentially get fired so right but you, you know nate nathan's a good chief and he'll he'll have your back so but then again if uh, nathan's getting uh you know gets the axe yeah uh, then you know you've pretty much said what side you're standing on <laughs> right so there's a lot of i think politics I could see it. I could and, see it. But. And not to mention that in the equi- and like in the equivalent of like a real world, uh, I guess analogous to the real world where like let's substitute being with the rev for being like corrupt and like you know being in with like crime. It's like that, right? The the cops who aren't involved in that are probably scared of the cops that are involved with the rev, knowing they're like, hey, I don't want to look like a fucking, I don't want to look like a troubled sympathizer, you know, even though I don't. I don't like give a shit about this, but like, I don't want to be like pinned in with them and get like a targeted by the, the revs people. So it turns into like uh, a lot of office politics in Haven. I feel like we should just get a gritty NYPD blue esque show about the Haven police station. <laughs> Ooh, HPD, that, HPD that, gray. Yeah, that, that <laughs> could be uh yeah. <laughs> so filmed always during the fall and winter in Haven. And uh, well, we don't really get hate. We don't really get winter. Well, we're going to be getting it at the end of the season. Well, know, yeah, I mean, we got Christmas, Christmas episode. episode. But other than that, we don't really get Haven, Winter Haven. That's it. Before we get into the the last thing, I want to you know cap off the episode with you know, but I really like Duke's line when Audrey like yells out to the Cornells that uh, she's like the Haven PD is coming and they give us Nathan and we'll leave and let you go. And when when Duke's like, uh, just so you know, nobody, including myself, believes that when cops say that. I thought that was pretty, pretty funny. Yeah. No, no. It's all right. It's all right. I, I don't know. I, Duke's one liners are, are are fine, but I kind of like how they wrote the reveal of Evie working with the Rev because I mean that's totally plausible, right? Nathan's up here beating a horse's ass, and you want to get proof of it. You don't have your phone. Audrey doesn't have her phone. Well, Evie's phone's right here. So now, what are the what are the odds that a text from the Rev would come in exactly <laughs> at that time? That's the not so plausible part but of it. It's TV world, you know, shit like that happens in TV and movies, right? Right. T- yeah. Bad timing. 
I, but what I, it could have been, what it could have been is like, uh, so when, because Audrey says, send that to me, <laughs> he could have went to send it and then saw like her text messages from the Rev. You know? I was hoping that, you know, he took the picture and then would swipe over to the most recent photo. And it's like a selfie of her and, you know, well, it's not a selfie because it's got another person in it, but it's her and the Rev, you know, taking a picture together, just laughing. Uh, I, this, this technique, or this, the way they've, revealed the do the Evie working for Rev secret to Duke. I'm okay with it for now, depending on how it works out. If we move forward and Duke and I this is how I'm assuming it's gonna go. I don't really remember. But if Duke is withholding that information and trying to still play Evie like he doesn't know about the Rev, then cool. But if he immediately blows it up and immediately becomes like a known thing or she gets killed or whatever the fuck happens like very quickly, then I'm going to be a little like, uh, not a, not the way I would want. Normally I'd want something more explosive, more personal, uh, more confrontational. But if Duke uses this information, if the writers use this to build drama properly, then I'll enjoy it. But I'm also going to guess that for two episodes, he's going to sit on this information and do absolutely nothing with it until like episode 10 and then, uh, this is something neither here nor there, but this was just a little something personally that was really, you know, that, that I enjoyed. I, I enjoyed when Henry's dad walks up to him. He's like, hello, kiddo. And, uh, you know, and you obviously know why I like that, because that's what I call you is my kiddo. So and my yeah. mom called me her kiddo. So it's kind of a family, you know, family tradition. So I, I liked it. Like, I know for most people, that's pretty much a neither here nor there moment, but <laughs> yeah. I, I dug it. Okay, the last thing I have about this episode, and like I said, and was my last question for you. I'm pretty sure you've do, extracted more than even the writers or anyone involved in the show did like, yeah. about this episode. They're like, wow, how the f they're still talking about it? <laughs> really? Yeah, it's just been done 20 minutes ago. Uh, do you believe Beta would have actually killed Cornell and sacrificed his own existence? I, I mean, we... It depends on the writer's intentions for how this clone thing works. Like I was saying before, is it truly that it's like yin-yang type situation where one is the opposite of another, or is it like cloning? So if it's a clone situation where he's literally just a kind of copy that's more wild than primary Cornell, I don't really buy that. If it's a yin-yang thing, I can more believe that this idea, but it would be one thing if it was if he never like regenerated or created more clones, but it's this weird like yeah, you're number like twenty, like it's it's just kind of a weird, and because they have the memories of previous ver he has memories of his own dot uh, failed clone selves right, like he carries over what he did last time before he died. Hmm. Well, so let, let so Which let's muddies, count muddies up the concept to me, I think. Yeah, so so let's count them. So we've got the three that are dead in the Everwood. We got one dead at the house. Then we got another two dead at the Everwood. That's six. So uh, by the end, it's the seventh uh, copy. You know that we know. Uh, well, yeah, I just think it's weird. It's it's strange that he's like a regenerating single being rather than like. Uh, so I guess in that idea, he might be like, it might be a yin yang situation where one is the the good and one's the bad is kind of the Western interpretation of that concept, even though I don't think that's really correct. I could see that more working out, but the way it is just like you said, conceptually, or it just logically doesn't make sense because he's going to die. If he does it, he, he gains zero sum 
game if he does it right like nobody yeah it's nobody wins well i mean and then if you go with the spiritual morality thing and he he's you know does a does a copy have a soul i mean you know it's it's a I, I just I just can't see a, a, a creature that was willing to be I won't say creature but you know a clone that's willing to be that ruthless and be able to freaking uh, you know just say oh, oh you know what you're right uh, I should be good and I'm just gonna I'm gonna kill uh, my source and uh, even <laughs> though that's gonna make me uh, disappear and not exist anymore so well you know maybe he, maybe he was hoping that he would get to stay. <laughs> Yeah, maybe if I do this good deed, you know, the universe or the higher power will, you know, allow me to stay. Or you know what he could have done is like disarmed, you know, them each like the two of them for Audrey to be like, okay, arrest us. That that, that would have been more believable. Uh, yeah. that, and then he that, kills himself in prison to escape because where he could have, you know, appear somewhere else. Like I said, I think even the creators will be shocked that we were able to talk as long about this episode. Where they're like, Jesus. I go, they're like, we didn't even spend this much time thinking about the episode, let alone <laughs> writing it. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that's it for episode eight. As usual, uh, I know we've missed, we haven't done it, I think the last two episodes or so, maybe, right. but we have a little special segment again. This time, uh, in honor of absolutely nothing with no connection to anything, we decided to create our own uh, imaginary. We don't have plastic like factories to make this our own Haven action figures. So just the concept of some Haven action figures. Uh, if this is like the eighties. If we're talking about like Kenner toys, you know, if we're doing like star Wars action figures or, you know, whatever, this is what we would uh, kind of design if we were action figure makers. <laughs> right. Well, and Hey, if any of you out there listening work for a manufacturer who'd be interested in this, I'm sure we could, we could get with the creators of Haven and we could turn out some of these action figures. Cause I'm telling you, I know Alex's creativity. He's probably got some really good ones, and I know mine just kick ass. So this yeah, is I'm sure happen. they're interested in making action figures for a 10-year-old show that was on sci-fi. <laughs> hey, certain <laughs> parts of the world, <laughs> Haven's just getting there. You know, no, they might not I, I don't. I don't know. I don't even think that. I'm pretty sure uh, they all got it. <laughs> Yeah, probably, probably so. Well, uh, you know, one of the things uh, it's interesting. I do have some uh, background on uh, Kenner, who by no means was the only maker of action figures. I mean, Mattel made figures as well, and then uh, that. But uh, everyone really thought about Kenner. So, I'd like to at least just give a little background on Kenner. Okay, uh, so quick background on Kenner. Kenner was a company founded in. Uh, 1946 in Cincinnati, Ohio, by the uh, Steiner brothers, and they named it Kenner after the street the office was on, and they uh, were the first like uh, toy company really to, to make use of TV commercials for their stuff. Uh, they, they were bought by General Mills, they were bought by Tonka, then they were finally bought by Hasbro, who finally in 2000 just took basically wrapped all of their li product lines into Hasbro's lines and eliminated and closed the. Uh, Kenner offices. So real quick list of some of their big, you know, uh, uh, product lines, you know, Batman and Robin, Batman Forever, Batman Returns, Batman, the animated series, Beast Wars, Transformers. They even did Beetlejuice and Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, which is crazy. Care Bears, uh, Hug a Bunch, Jurassic Park, Mask, one of my freaking favorites. 
awesome. Police Academy. I didn't even know they had Police Academy dolls, Stretch Armstrong, Star Wars, even other things like Play-Doh and Spiral Graph. And then probably the weirdest thing, Chuck Norris Karate Commandos. So that's just a little bit about Kenner. And that's who we envision would be making our action figures. So we're open to anyone. It doesn't have to be reformed Kenner. So you want to go first with your first action figure? Sure, sure, sure. I uh, My first action figure out of three is my Audrey Parker action figure. She's uh, got a, she's got, each of my action figures have a little, obviously a little fun ability, you know, a little a fun little gimmick to them. God, I'm so, I'm so hoping you didn't do the same thing I did with Audrey. Hopefully not. Hopefully not. Uh, so my Audrey has a button on the back that once you click, it flips her head. Oh my God. You, did you do this? Yes. <laughs> okay. So we got the same thing. Uh, is uh her head flips so it turns into lucy ripley mm. Did you, oh okay oh close 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 what'd okay you, what was yours For, mine turns into fraudry oh okay okay i thought about that but i was like no nah, nah, i'll have her turn into lucy i uh, uh, also got a you know a gun and a coffee that can be put in her hands okay now that's yeah so mine's the audrey fraudry parker metamorphosis figure and uh, it's the same body dressed in a smart FBI pantsuit. And uh, it comes, you know, set at Audrey Parker's head. But then when you press the button, her head goes down into the chest and out of the back pops up Fraudry's head. Yeah. So that you, uh, presto, you have both Audrey's and one action figure. And of course, it comes with an FBI issued little nine millimeter handgun and a tiny FBI badge. Okay, so this one is. Uh, I think from here we'll divert. I don't think you got the same ones that I did. Yeah, I, I'm just, I'm, I'm just really, I'm just really shocked. I never <laughs> thought you would have came up with that. I mean, I had fucking yeah. head flipping to- action figures as a kid. I had three Power Rangers. I had red, blue, and green. From I don't think I got them from somebody. They were like hand me down like toys, but the heads would flip, so you could see them without their helmets on, and then with their helmets on. Yeah, there was a there, there was a He-Man character called Manny Faces who you yeah. could turn ahead in different <laughs> faces. So yeah, I should have realized we both. But okay, my second one is the Vince and Dave Teague's Double Your Fun playset. <laughs> you get both Dave and Vince figures, uh, but it also comes with a tandem bicycle they ride together. <laughs> the figures both come with spring action arms, which will flick little newspapers when you press the button Ooh, on the back. That'd be yeah. cool. Yeah. And then Dave figure also comes with a shotgun since he's a hunter, yeah. <laughs> you know, but Vince, oh, okay. Vince just gets newspaper. Yeah. Well, <laughs> he's get like a pimp cane or something. Yeah. That, uh, that, uh, yeah. <laughs> that's the, spe- that's, you got to go to Spencer's to get that one. Yes. That, that's the uh, adult rated one. So yeah, that was my number two, Vince and Dave Teague's double your fun play set. Okay. Um, <laughs> so my second action figure is a chief action figure. An earth shaker, as I call him. Uh, so this one, you press the button on the back of Chief and uh, his body like explodes. Like all the pieces pop off. Like <laughs> I thought and, of that too. I thought of that too. And I was like, how the hell do I make this work? Yeah. And so you can sub in uh, the head for an incognito Chief also. So like it comes with an extra head because, you know, it all pops. It all blows up in little like geometric rock shapes, you know. So uh, like, almost like the thing, right, is what it'll kind of look like. Uh, but but as the chief and you can sub in uh different torso so you got the hp the police jacket torso that you attach all the pieces to or the incognito head where he's got the sunglasses and the hpd hat so you know you can do regular chief incognito chief but they both press the button the spring-loaded arms legs and 
pieces of the chest and stuff like blow up like he did. Does he come with a little pack of cigarettes? Uh, That'd be good. I, I should have had that. Yeah, he comes with a pack of cigarettes. Yeah, that's that's pretty good. I, I had flirted with that same idea. I just whatever couldn't wrap my head around how I would make it work. And, uh, <laughs> because we only do things in here that are realistic and, yeah. and, and plausible. <laughs> this, is a, this is the ideas. It's up to the engineers to figure that shit out. Number three, the revs revved up attack van and figure. <laughs> You get the Revs minivan and a Rev action figure, which will sit snugly in the driver's seat of the van. And you also get a Revs henchman action figure. The Rev figure also has a spring action arm, which will fling little Bibles when you press the button on his back. Ah, See, I was hoping it'd be like a little tube that comes out of his hand. So just kind of spray like, you know, you have like a little turkey baster type thing and it squirts Uh, holy water. Holy water. Or his mouth, you know, if the action figure is him like in mid-scream with his mouth wide open and holy water spraying. <laughs> well, you know, but you can have different versions of yeah, the Rev action yeah. figure, right? I mean, what are there, like uh, 25 different uh, Luke Skywalker figures? Or I like mean, Optimus you know, Prime. <laughs> yeah, you know, so, but yeah, so this one, he's got Bible Bible thump in action. <laughs> yeah, and then, but this we're the not done. Transformer that turns into a cross. Well, uh, you know, Megatron yeah. would turn into a gun. I would... Uh, you know, flirted with that. But the key the key to the place is the van, which becomes an attack van when you open up the sliding door and a machine gun is mounted inside instead of seats. And there is okay. ample room to put the Rev's henchman figure behind the machine gun for killing all those awful troubled people. Does he have a cell phone because he's the one texting Evie, the henchman? Yeah, you could have a little cell phone for him since he doesn't really have a you know a little hand prop that that could could be it. Or but, he's holding and, the revs list. It's like a little uh, yeah, like a rubber yeah. white square. Next next to the machine gun, he's got like an old uh, Mac Two GS from the '80s that he's typing on. And uh, yeah. uh, so for uh, you know, so just for that last one, the revs revved up attack van and figure. Does he have a hot dog? Does he have a Revs Red Snapper dog for his hand? Uh, that's going to be for the the, the Revs. The baseball. The good, that's going to be for uh, the Revs uh, Good Shepherd playset. You know, at the church. Yeah. We we need like the the baseball versions of them. Uh, all right. So my third action figure, you're gonna love this one, this is my Eleanor Carr tennis tennis player edition. <laughs> I should have known you'd go there. Damn it. <laughs> So it's pretty self-explanatory. She's, you know, in her tennis outfit, got the tennis racket. And, you know, the button on the back makes her arm swing forward while holding the tennis racket. So she's, you know, you can play tennis with her. I like it. I, I, I like it. Uh, it'd be cool <laughs> if it was spring-loaded and that she ended up throwing the racket because she sucks so bad at tennis. Whereas I throw my racket because I'm so pissed off because I suck at tennis. It comes with a dead Joe Campbell <laughs> action figure. <laughs> old Joe Campbell, yeah. yeah. Geriatric Joe. Yeah, oh, and and you know if it's a playset, you could have a little have the ball machine. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. All right. So what about your uh, your playset? Because we have we have a. Or was the van your play set? Well, the uh, the van was really my my big play set. But oh, okay. a couple of thing, couple of things that you know, well, just ideas that didn't well, make well, the cut. Well, well, hold on, let me do mine. So Let, let's sure do your play set first because yeah, so. I'm pretty sure it's it's a pretty obvious one. But the yeah, Cape I, Rouge play uh, set. So mm-hmm. you know, this one could actually float in water. They would say in the commercials. Although I'm sure when you'd use it at home, most of the time it would just sink and ruin everything inside. If you try to actually do it. 
but it opens up, you know, like how the place sets it open up and you can see the different rooms inside the Cape Rouge, like the, uh, you'd see Duke's bedroom. You would see the conspiracy room with the board and the little strings on it. You could put your little Duke action figure in there. Uh, the arsenal where he's got the guns and stuff, the supplies with all the, the boxes, you know, where he doesn't know what's in the boxes and then top deck, you know, with the poker table up there. So for the arsenal, the would, th- would those be little hidden like panels? Like, yeah, yeah, it- yeah, you could slide them up and down, you know, you'd slide one open and it would be, uh, the guy, the rain man and his brother, you know, they were in there. Duke was going to shoot them with the gun. You'd slide one of the panels and they'd be there looking at you. Yeah, there's a little you, picture, you, obviously. You slide one up, and there's a handgun in there, and then another one has the sawed-off shotgun, yeah, exactly. and then, you know things like that. No, that'd be because that, that's like back when I was a kid with the the Millennium Falcon, where you yeah, could yeah. Uh, you actually had the hidden compartment where you could jam your figures in, and then uh, you know hide them from the stormtroopers. <laughs> yeah, though, why would you? Everyone be like, "Fuck that! I'm taking out the stormtroopers." <laughs> So, yeah, that, that was so basically kind of what I was thinking was uh, that I can easily see the Haven version of the Death Star or Masters of the Universe Castle Grayskull being the Duke Crocker's Cape Rouge playset. Yeah, yeah, I didn't exactly. go into it as far as you did. I, then I saw they could have a Haven Police Department playset. Yeah, that's uh, like uh, that's like the boring one. Who wants that's that? The, that? Everyone would want the Cape Rouge one. That, that, that's for the hardcore fans. That's, you know, after, you know, after you know, a couple of years of collecting these toys, you know, we're going to get, you know, we're going to get a little, uh, you know, go harder to, you know, come up with things. <laughs> a Nathan figure where you press the button and like that little piece of wood protrudes out of his side, like in the uh, Audrey Parker's off day, since he can't feel. So I guess, you know, we all love, we love uh, action figures. Well, as kids, it's not like I collect them now. Yeah. Is that, is that all of them that- for you? That's it. I don't. Okay, cool. I don't know how I could ever top Rev's revved up attack van, but uh, you know, <laughs> even though the Vince and Dave Teagues double your fun playset, it's pretty cool. Yeah, I think I might go for the Teagues. All right, and we are proud to announce the winner of our Haven Blu-ray Season One giveaway. Remember, you had to send in a haiku. Our very own fan, who has been shouted out before, uh, Mr. Litigator Lascivious, our fan Frank. Super fan Frank. Super fan Frank. He has entered a haiku that has uh, won the competition. Uh, here is his haiku. Trouble to Haven. Heroes charge into the breach. Years until new strife. And that gets him uh, season one of Haven on Blu-ray. We'll be doing competitions of the f- in the future. It'll be different types of stuff to enter. Uh, but next up soon, we'll be starting a new one for season two of Haven. That's a nice haiku. I think that would make a great uh, tattoo in Chinese uh, lettering. So yeah, and then you get it and it says little Korean barbecue or something, <laughs> a little charcoal grill. But thank you, Frank, for uh, giving us an awesome haiku, and we hope you enjoy season one of Haven on Blu-ray, so you can check out those director's commentaries, writer commentaries, and all the special features that it entail, and you can suffer trying to get the discs out of the fucking plastic case. But don't worry, winners of season two on Blu-ray, that is not the case, so uh, look forward to that and uh, get ready for some more giveaways. Exactly. We appreciate our listeners and those who contribute, so keep reaching out to us so we can keep letting you score with some great swaggy gifts related to Haven. <laughs> but that is it for our episode. You, you can uncover more secrets of Haven with us on Mondays. That's when trouble drops. You can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, Amazon, all those good places. 
If you want to reach out to us, you can reach us at troubledrewatchpod at gmail.com. Where, uh, you can tweet us, tweet at us too, at Haven's Trouble. That's a capital H and a capital T if you want to reach out to us. Uh, podcasting is fun, but it doesn't pay the bills quite yet. Probably never will. No, I'm just kidding. It doesn't yet. Uh, but you can find us there. We have three tiers, $1, $3, $5. Our $1 tier does small stuff like production documents, wrestler name, Haven wrestler name, Haven Wu-Tang names, uh, fan shout outs, stuff like that. The $3 tier is Haven is uh, Troubled with Extra Syrup. That's also called the Haven's uh, Haven Resident tier. From there, you can listen to our extra episodes. They cover stuff like Stephen King books, TV shows, uh, even maybe real life events surrounding certain main men lastly our five dollar tier is our director's cuts episodes as we drop in throughout 2021 uh if you've kind of listening early on and you're like hey you know what i want all the extra stuff you can subscribe to the five dollar and then start listening from there forward uh we also do zoom calls and q a's and stuff on there if you want to contact us we'll set it up and we will you know we can record it we can do a transcription of it and send it out if you think it's entertaining but that's it for me I'm Alex French. And this is Rich French. And I want to, you know, echo Alex's thanks for listening. And, uh, you know, hope you would be interested in exploring that Patreon level to try to get yourself like a real cool Wu-Tang name like Enchanter Sick. Thanks for listening. I hope you'll come back next week. And please be safe. And most importantly, never let your troubles get you down. <laughs>